You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? It is Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. This is Locked On Phillies. I'm Tim Kelly. On yesterday's show, we talked quite a bit how about how Andrew McCutcheon will not be ready for opening day. Again, there's no indication that this is going to be an extended absence, but the Phillies are going to be uh, without Andrew McCutcheon probably for the first 10 games at a minimum. And that means in his first stretch as Phillies manager, Joe Girardi is going to have to deal with one of the same issues that plagued Gabe Kapler last year, which is trying to find a leadoff hitter in the absence of McCutcheon, who was such a strong leadoff hitter in the 59 games he played last season. Uh, Even though Andrew McCutcheon tore his ACL in early June last year, which means he didn't play for most of June, any of July, any of August, and any of September, He still, by a comfortable margin, was the most common leadoff header the Phillies had last year, which is indicative of other problems they had that no one was able to seize that spot after he went down. The second most common leadoff hitter after Andrew McCutcheon and a guy who did it for a lot of the seasons prior was Cesar Hernandez, who was non-tendered and now plays for the Indians. So the Phillies have to figure this out, even if it's only for a short stretch. And I would presume even once Andrew McCutcheon comes back, if the Phillies play 10 games, I think you play Andrew McCutcheon seven or eight of those. I don't think he's someone at this stage coming off of this injury that's going to be out there playing 162 games a season. That's just, it's not how it's going to be because you want him as fresh and as healthy as possible down the stretch and potentially into the postseason. So, this is an issue that you need to figure out both for the first little stretch of the season and beyond that. They hope once he comes back, there's no setbacks, there's no other injury list stints, but you have to be real and you have to understand what you're working with. And no team should be so dependent on one player that their entire lineup collapses collapses if that player goes down. Now, as far as I see it, you have three actual candidates to lead off while McCutcheon is out. I don't have any issue with Reese Hoskins at least being considered for the spot. Uh, No, he isn't the prototypical leadoff header, and he probably slots best hitting second or fourth. But he gets on base at a high clip, and that's part of the battle for a leadoff hitter. You'd rather have a slower leadoff hitter that gets on base than a quick leadoff hitter that doesn't get on base. But given how much criticism there was from certain segments of the fan base last year in the limited amount of times Reese Hoskins let off, I just can't fathom Joe Girardi starting his tenure with Reese Hoskins at the top of the order. So to me, the three candidates, as far as I could see, that are going to get serious consideration are Didi Gregorius, Scott Kingery, and Gene Segura. Right now, though, I'm not even sure how serious of a candidate Didi Gregorius is. I think he's more likely than Reese Hoskins, but still not especially likely. With the three batter minimum, I believe you're going to want to split him and Bryce Harper up. And uh, Joe Girardi was on with Howard Eskin a few weeks ago, and he kind of alluded at this, that if teams want to bring in a lefty to face Bryce Harper, who let's say is hitting second, that's fine. And then that guy has to face a minimum of three batters, which would mean maybe they'll keep him in for Didi Gregorius. But if they're going to do that in between, you would like to have two right-handed hitters to make them potentially pay in the meantime, which leads me to think that Bryce Harper is going to hit second on opening day and Didi Gregorius is going to hit 
fifth. Joe Girardi said at his opening day, or in uh, Didi Gregorius's introductory press conference, that he thought Didi would hit somewhere between three and five. Right now, I think he slots best in that number five position. Like I said, I think Harper hits second, and you'll have uh, a good situation, I think, if Didi Gregorius is able to bounce back after kind of a strange season a year ago. So to me, this is really going to come down to Gene Segura and Scott Kingery for this leadoff spot to open the season. Let's state the obvious. Neither one of them stepped up and seized the leadoff spot last year once McCutcheon went down. Gene Segura hit 160 in the leadoff spot last year, and Scott Kingery hit 197. So again, neither of them stepped up when the Phillies needed them to step up in that spot last season. At the same time, neither of them had good second halves, period. So their struggles might be a little bit more indicative of them just struggling after the All-Star break altogether than them being incapable of hitting at the top of the lineup. I think there was a perception from some, I wasn't one of them, but there was a perception from some that thought Scott Kingery was misused by Gabe Kapler and that greatly diminished his offensive production over the last two years. I think Joe Girardi is going out of his way in some cases to do the opposite of things that Gabe Kapler got criticized for doing. And I do believe that there are some, uh, there's a belief from some that he's going to explode if he plays second base all season. I don't know, though, that the Phillies want to put a ton of pressure on Scott Kingery to open up the season. He, to me, is someone, if you're going all in on this, play him in one position, just let him get comfortable idea. You play him at second base to open the season, and you bat him sixth or seventh in the lineup where maybe you'll look at at that a few weeks after and say, he's too good, we need him to get up, we being the Phillies' perception, uh, need him to get up and hit more frequently let's put him closer to the top of the lineup. That's entirely possible. But it's not the worst thing in the world to have him hit down there, have less pressure on him, and have him kick down the door as opposed to having him start the season hitting first or higher up in the order and kind of struggle to keep treading water. I don't think that's a good position to put him in. You have Gene Segura then, who is 30 years old, a veteran, a two-time All-Star to me. And I don't have a great feeling about this one way or the other uh, in terms of which of the two is more likely to lean off. But I would lean towards Gene Segura. He is slimmed down. I think he's in a better place mentally than he was at the end of last season. And I believe he's going to steal more bases this season as well. The one thing I would say, though, is if you're going to have Scott Kingery at second base to open the season, that would mean, unless there's some sort of injury with Didi Gregorius or somewhere else on the field that you need to move Scott Kingery, that would mean that you have Gene Segura playing third base, a position that he's never played. Now, he'll continue to get reps in spring training and Hopefully he comes into the season and feels relatively comfortable there, but it is going to be a growing experience for him at third base because it's something he has never done at the major league level. He's played second, he's played short, he's never played anywhere else. So having him lead off while he's doing that, you could see a decline in his performance offensively based off of the fact that he's pressing defensively. Maybe he'll go to third base and things will just click and that'll be what it is, at least until Alec Bohm comes up. But that is something to consider. So I I don't think that there is a perfect fit to lead off right now. And I think it shines a a light on how important it is for the Phillies to get a healthy Andrew McCutcheon back as soon as possible. So this is an interesting story that came out yesterday. 
uh, probably about a guy that you forgot ever played for the Phillies. But according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, Jose Bautista, who did not play last season, spent this winter, quote, working out as a pitcher in hopes of returning as a two-way player. Jeff Passan also added that he has been told that Jose Bautista's fastball can reach 94 miles per hour and that he has a slider with quote, legitimate tilt in his arsenal as well. Marcus Stroman, who was his teammate in Toronto, now a pitcher with the Mets that the Phillies probably should have acquired last summer, but that's another story for another time. Uh, Marcus Stroman said he believes that Jose Bautista could pitch out of the bullpen at the major league level as well. So it's an interesting story. Uh, Bautista plans to compete for the Dominican Republic as they attempt to qualify for the 2020 Olympics this summer in Tokyo, assuming those Olympics still take place. And though Jeff Passan added that it's unclear if Jose Bautista is going to pitch for the Dominican Republic in this, uh, obviously his offensive output is going to be monitored by potential suitors because if it's determined that he can no longer hit at a major league level I don't think a ton of teams are going to be open to the idea of yeah let's sign him as a two-way player and look maybe no one's interested in that idea even if he can hit but it makes it a little bit more likely if he goes into this uh, tournament and then potentially into the Olympics and has some sort of success it's funny to think of him as a Philly but Bautista's last major league action did come with the Phillies in 2018. Uh, it came after an August waiver trade, so it was brief. But in 45 at-bats with the team, though he hit only 244, again, very small sample size, he had two home runs, six RBIs, and he walked 11 times, which made him somewhat of a valuable bench addition, even as the Phillies collapsed as a team in 2018. Uh, Bautista that season spent the entire, or uh, he split the season with three different National League East teams, began the season with the Braves, that didn't last long, spent the bulk of it with the Mets, and then ended up with the Phillies. And while he hit for a low batting average, 203, very low, he homered 13 times, he drove in 48 runs, and he walked 67 times. So he maintained a very high on base percentage. And there is some value in that type of a player as a potential bench piece, especially if he can get that average up a little bit. So he's someone that's interesting, especially if he's able to show in this case that he can hit. And he'd be really interesting given that he's 39 years old and we think of him as a slugger. If he is able to do something where he's able to pitch and provide value as a hitter as well frankly if he can reach 94 miles an hour and he actually has a slider that can be effective those two pitches out of the bullpen could be very effective and he may actually have more value as a reliever than as a pinch hitter or utility man whatever role you'd see him in offensively but it's an interesting story because this is one of the most accomplished offensive players of the last 10 to 15 years. He was a late bloomer, but the 10 years that he spent with the Blue Jays, he made six all-star teams. He had 285 home runs. And, of course, his go-ahead home run in Game 5 of the 2015 ALDS against uh, the Rangers, who employed Cole Hamels at that time, that in the bat flip, it's one of the most iconic and debated moments in recent baseball history. And I know a lot of people just generally enjoy hitters that mash home runs Jose Bautista did that it made a lot of people fans of him and it, this would be a cool story if he's able to make a comeback in some form 
Lots to get to with the Phillies throughout the rest of this week as we creep towards the regular season. For minute-to-minute, second-to-second updates, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports and read my work on philliesnation.com and radio.com. I will talk to you guys next time.